Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and I'm excited to talk with two-time Emmy winner, national best-selling author, and the longest sitting anchor on a daily broadcast news program, it's Inside Edition's Deborah Norville. We're so excited to talk with her about some Boston-featured stories that will be on Inside Edition, which is moving to the 7 o'clock time slot on Channel 7 here in Boston starting tomorrow night. Hi, Deborah. Welcome and good morning. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Very good. I cannot believe that you joined Inside Edition in 1995. Did you ever think that 24 years later you'd still be doing this? Oh, heavens no. I mean, does anybody think in those terms? I've, I've, I've been working here longer than most people's marriages last. <laughs> Just crazy. I know. I just. But it's a good thing. I, why do you think this show has stood the test of time? Because I've I've been watching it for as long as I can remember, and it seems to stand through all the decades of changes in the news world and different viewership habits. Because people get sure. news anywhere, anytime, sure. and on all kinds of places. And so, why do you think Inside Edition has lasted this long? I mean, twenty four well, years. Well, I think it's I a mean, couple of things. First of all, um, there's that old expression: familiarity breeds contempt. But mm. I think in in television, um, it breeds comfort. I think in in a world where so much changes so quickly, and sometimes in you know such a bizarre way, I think Inside Edition we're sort of the old reliable, and mm-hmm. that doesn't sound very sexy and very you know well, kind of cutting edge, but but it's I true. It's true, and I think people know when they hear that music, bum 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 mm-hmm. they know that for the next half hour. Whatever they throw up on the TV screen is either going to be interesting or going to be something that, gosh, I never knew that, or it's going to touch an emotional button. It's going to leave you angry. It's going to leave you weepy. It's going to leave you, aw shucks, gee whiz. It's going to touch one of those emotional buttons that we kind of like to have touched. Mm-hmm. And. I, I want to get your take on this because of, you know, the world that we live in mm-hmm. with the news and everything going on, you know, in politics, you know, as a woman who is the, by the way, the longest sitting anchor of any daily news program, which I, I'm, I admire you so much for. <laughs> Thank you. I, I've always been curious to know what you think, because you've been doing this a long time, uh-huh. about how you think the news is being delivered now. It, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it, it seems like... Anchors now, you know, opinions are sort of kind of included in the way they deliver news, and it's not as sort of straightforward as you always seem to be. I mean, I enjoy watching you. I know you're going to give me the story, mm-hmm. and I can choose what my emotion is going to be to that story. Oh, well, thank um, you. Um, and I, I'm thrilled to hear that. I, I take that as a compliment. Years ago, um, and I think this was probably when I was anchoring the Today Show, I, I kind of settled on this, and and what I decided was I got a lot of opinions mm-hmm. on pretty much everything, <laughs> but I'm not paid in the jobs that I have to deliver my opinions. Mm-hmm. And so 
metaphorically, there's a box that's right outside the studio door. And as I walk in the studio, I kind of take all my opinions and I throw them into that box. And I pick them up, back up on my way out. And, and that's served me well. There was one job I had uh, after I left the Today Show. I did a talk radio show for ABC Radio. Mm-hmm. Nationwide show it was awesome. Did it from my house, which was even better. So people like... Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. uh, one of my first... My first guest was Oprah. She did it from Chicago. Um, my second guest was Barbara Walters, who came over to my apartment, sat in my library. Uh, Barbara Walters, I gave a nice glass of wine to. And wow. we drank a glass of wine, and we spent an hour talking on the radio. So... Uh, one hour would be sort of a celebrity interview. One hour would be a, a news issue that people had strong opinions about, and we talked to experts and we talked to the, the listeners. And for that section, and then the third section hour of the show, which was just open phones and people just called and chatted, mm-hmm. I was allowed to share my opinions, and it was very difficult for me mm-hmm. because I had been so used to for so many years not expressing publicly what I felt about things that. I had a hard time doing that, and my my producer was great and really worked with me to help me feel that it was okay to do that. The one thing I figured out, you just you don't need to know my opinion, and I frankly don't need to know yours because we're all entitled to feel what we feel, and that was abortion because that's such a hot button issue, and people Mm -hmm. feel so strongly about it. But what I did decide was um, this guy called Roger Rosenblatt, who was a very prominent writer in the '90s. He got it right. He said, what we can agree on with respect to abortion is that the need for an abortion, that someone would want an abortion, that's a very sad thing. Mm-hmm. And we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. So let's agree on that, and then let's not talk about it, because we're probably going to get into a fight. Right. So, so yeah, I do try to leave my opinions in that little box, um, but I may be one of the few, because yeah. there is so much opinionated, quote, news going on out there. And that ain't news. That's editorial. Right. And that's what I, you know, I'm so curious to get the uh, to get the opinion, ironically, from somebody like you who's been a news anchor and you've been on a national stage for so long. You know, for our viewers and people listening to our show, you know, maybe we have younger viewers listening to our show and all they know is getting their news from social media or, you know, uh, somebody's Twitter post. And it's not always the exact fact or just the story itself. Yeah. It is editorialized, and it's. I think it's very hard well, it's for... It's not always. It's not always. I mean, that's kind of a blanket statement. It's not always editorialized, but I think what we need to do, and I'm sure it's something you try to do on your program, and um, mm-hmm. I think responsible journalists out there are also doing the same, and that is to make sure that we are educating our viewers and our listeners so that they can discern what's editorial, what's opinion, and what's unvarnished fact. And what I've realized, Kendra, is we're, you know, in this very incendiary time, mm-hmm. it's important for us. Remember how when you were in school and you had to do a report and you had to footnote it? Yes. Remember that quote, show your work? Yes, yes, um, all the time. We got to show our work when we do our Good reporting. Point. We have to show our work. And so a few weeks ago, there was some story. It got a lot of play just because it was such an upsetting bit of video. Some cop had shot some guy's chihuahua. It's a nine-pound little teeny dog. Mm-hmm. It, quote, in self-defense. Right. And the guy had his cell phone out when the cop is being belligerent and happened to be rolling when the cop shot his dog. And so that piece of video was very upsetting. And of course, we didn't show the people um, the actual dog being shot, but right up until that moment. So you knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And the tag on that story was a fact that I had found, uh, where was it? It was, oh, Justice Department figures. And the Department of Justice, believe it or not, actually had collated how many dogs had been killed by law enforcement. This is a fact that our government thinks is important to know. And the fact was, it was 10,000 dogs a year, and so we divided it down to however many dogs a day that is. Ordinarily, I would have said, you know, and believe it or not, this, this happens more than you think. Every day, X number of dogs are killed by law enforcement in America, and that would have been the sentence. Now I say, according to the Department of Justice, right? I show my work. It's important for people to know that when I tell them something on Inside Edition, that this is a fact mm-hmm. that we researched, and here's where we found it. And, oh, if you don't believe us, you can go you to the Department of Justice it. website. Mm-hmm. You can find it yourself. Right. That's a very good point. You know, and I, and I like the way that you referenced, you know, the way we used to write papers and how we mm-hmm. always had to show our work because I have, I have three young children. I mean, they're very small. They're under nine years old. And, I mean, my nine-year-old daughter would have no idea what that means. I mean, she yeah. just assumes I can go to YouTube and Twitter and that's where I can get everything 100% fact, and I don't need to look or research in it. I do think it's important. If you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we've been chatting with Deborah Norville. She's the anchor of Inside Edition. She's a two-time Emmy winner, best-selling author, and she's the longest-sitting anchor on a daily broadcast news program. And she'll be talking a lot about Boston on Inside Edition during tomorrow night's show. Let's get back to our conversation. When I think of how long you've been at the top of such a major your news program. And then I, I think about you and you have three children. Yeah. At one point, your children were babies and you were working and I only work in radio and my level is nothing compared to what yours is. How did you do it? Because I, I know we have a lot of women listeners and yeah. it's, I saw something somewhere that said, you know, you, they want you to be a, a mother, like you don't go to work or something. There was a quote that said, you basically can't have both. Like it's, it's almost impossible for women to to be a full-time mom and then go to work in an office job. How did you do it? And what's your advice for women out there who still have that fear that you can't do both? Well, you know what? You got to do both because Mm -hmm. that's the reality. Um, I don't know a lot of people who work just because they love getting dressed and putting on makeup. They work (laughs) because they get a paycheck at the end of the week. Exactly. And, um, you know, we work because we have to. We work because we have families and mortgages and school payments and doctor bills. That's why we work. Mm -hmm. And we have families because that's what gives our life meaning. So the challenge is to find a way to weave the two together. The lucky ones of us have employers who understand that at times – the the home fire has to be tended. You know, if mm-hmm. the kid breaks their leg, you've got to take them to the doctor and get an x-ray and get a cast on it. And whatever your job is, it's just going to simply have to go done by someone else. The lucky ones of us have coworkers with whom we have a relationship that's good enough that they'll cover for us. They'll mm-hmm. help us out. They'll they'll keep that plate spinning when we have to run over here and do something else. And mm-hmm. And so I think it's important in your work family, to have good relationships with the people that you work for and the people you work alongside. That makes it a lot easier when the emergency happens, and it will, um, Mm -hmm. to have somebody to back you up. And you have to be willing to be the person that that pulls the other guy's weight, too, when, when, you know. Goes both ways. So you know what hits their fan. Right. (laughs) And um, I think for me, um, I made career changes 
because of my family. Uh, look, let's be honest. I, I left the Today Show right before they pushed me. Um, I had just had my first child. I probably could have sued NBC for um, discrimination, wow. but I probably wouldn't be the longest-running anchor in American television if I'd done that because wow. those kinds of actions tend to get you marked, mm-hmm. and you get marked as somebody you don't want to work with right. or hire because they're litigious. So yep. I didn't go that route, and I didn't get piles of money, but I've had a long career, so, you know, yeah. it's all fine. I think, um, I think you're doing pretty well. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> yeah. complaining. But then um, I was a correspondent at CBS News, which I loved, traveling literally around the world, doing amazing stories, sharing information with people, meeting unbelievable people, doing you know, Emmy award-winning work, and being away from my family. And when my second kid was on the way, I thought, man, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. There were women at the network who did have lots of kids and work correspondents, and I would marvel at, at how they were doing it, and I just thought, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I knew what my limits were. And so knowing what my limits were, I then said, okay, i got to find something else I can do in television that will enable me to be the at-home mom that I have to be because I couldn't ask my husband to you know, do it alone. I, I imposed enough, I think, on his goodwill. So you know, <laughs> we all know what the limits are in our lives. Right. And so that's when uh, I learned that there was an opportunity to come to Inside Edition. And the thing that helped me decide, you know what, it would actually be okay to go over there, was I had done a story for the magazine show I was working on. It was Ed Bradley was the anchor, and I was just a correspondent. I had done a story for that show that Inside Edition had done the exact same story. And I went, whoa, we're doing the same material. And they're looking for an anchor, and an anchor means you are literally ball and chain to the desk, which yep. means you're not jumping on planes. So that's why I made the switch. And there were there was a, a writer for the Washington Post, a guy who's no longer in the business, um, who actually said of me that I was selling my credibility by going to Inside Edition. Huh. And the old me who had gotten beaten up by the press would have gone into the fetal position and just, you know, like, ooh. Yeah. The new me was like, you know what? <laughs> and I responded, and I said, I thought this was really good. I said, I had no idea that my credibility as a journalist had to do with the peacock or the eyeball that appeared on my paycheck. Wow. I think it has something to do with how I do what I do. And so I just kind of ignored him and everybody else did. And and here I am all these years later. So you make the choices that are right for you. And when you make those choices that you know – are right for you, whether it's a career choice or a lifestyle choice, when you know it's right for you, that confidence that you have is almost like a coat of Kevlar. Mm-hmm. It enables you to withstand those well-intentioned, and I say that charitably, naysayers who who question your choice. Who say, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, might not be a good, it could be a career ender. You know, they've all got that, that opinion that they, quote, helpfully share. Absolutely. And you go, you know, thank you for sharing. This is what's right for me. And you can just ignore them and do what you know to be right for you. If you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And we've been talking with Inside Edition's Deborah Norville. She's a two-time Emmy winner, best-selling author, and the longest-sitting anchor on a daily broadcast news program. Inside Edition, by the way, has been the number one syndicated news magazine for decades, and they'll be moving to the 7 o'clock time slot on Channel 7 here in Boston starting tomorrow night. Let's continue our conversation.
speaking of Inside Edition, you know, you guys, you get involved in so many communities and great stories. But I love, of course, when Boston is ever featured. Yeah, any, well, we're going to be I big because we're coming back to Channel 7. We're, we've been moved to the Late, Late, Late Show on another channel. Um, we've been on Channel 5 forever. But now, beginning Monday, we're going to be on Channel 7 at 7, easy to remember. And we've got a really good Boston story to start the week off. I know. I was going to start. I was going to ask you about, you know, they, I saw they were giving away bikes and helmets to under. Yeah privileged children. I mean, what can you tell us about it, if anything, about well, what we, we can expect? Well, we love to team up with local charities in different cities around the country. And I don't, I mean, it's not like we do it every six weeks or something like that, but on a fairly regular basis, every community you go to in America, there are kids who who deserve to have more than they have. And so we've teamed up with one of the charities and um, we're providing bikes. As spring is, you know, supposedly around the corner, it's cold as I'll get out right now, but as, you know, spring is coming, kids are going to be outside, they're going to want to play, and we've teamed up with a local charity and we've just, you know, found a bunch of underprivileged kids who don't have bikes and ought to and they're going to have them after we do this story. I know, I love it. I can't wait for the good weather. And, and sort of tagging on to that story, you know, all of us here in Boston, you know, we knew Pat's fans, we knew Gronk was going to retire soon. And I love that you're going to have a finance expert talking about how Gronk has managed his money so well, because we always hear these stories about celebrities and athletes who just, you know, squander millions of dollars. And you think, how in the world did you, you were making 30 million a year. How did you get that to, you know, be down to nothing? What can we expect to hear from, from that expert, you know, when it comes to Gronk or? Yeah, your local hero. Well, Ron Gronkowski (laughs) has been one of the most entertaining guys in the NFL for a very long time. That's for sure. And I think if you just you know look at him on the flatbed truck during the last victory parade, you think, you know, the guy's got to be a total knucklehead. <laughs> he is not. Right, and, exactly. Um, and in his own memoir, he talked about the fact that he has always bankrolled his NFL check. And wow. he finances his life with the endorsement money he gets. Now, when you're Ron Gronkowski, everybody wants you to be representing your product, so that's not a small figure. But right. he, ha- you know, he has been very, very purposeful about that. So consequently, he has the financial wherewithal to do anything he would like, and he will never be that athlete um, that those kinds of stories are done. So how do we, who don't make $30 million a year NFL contracts or whatever it is Gronkowski's paid, how do we translate that into our lives? So you've got your paycheck, and then maybe you've got your side hustle. Um, most of us probably have to live off our paycheck. Uh, <laughs> our side hustle wouldn't be, wouldn't be as, as attractive as the one that Gronkowski's got. Right. But that side hustle can be your saving money. So um, uh, my son's a DJ on the weekends, and his DJ money goes into a separate kitty, and that's his side hustle. Um, I have had a knitting yarn. Um, business for I know. a I, while. It's just ended. I'm so bummed. I can't believe you. You're, were you a seamstress? Is that true? Totally, I, yeah. I made all my own clothes when I was younger, when I first what? started my career, because I've only made $150 a week. That was my starting pay when I began in this business. And I couldn't even afford to buy fabric at full price. I had to buy the remnants. But that was that was how I got my start in television, was I wore homemade clothes. If you go onto oh my, my website, com, and you look at some of the early days of the publicity shots that are on there, most of those outfits I sewed myself. That's unbelievable to yeah. me, right so, there alone. <laughs> yeah, so you think about what wow. what do I what skills do I have? What um you know, what can I do that will generate an additional income? And when you look long and hard and creatively, there's probably something you could do. 
So if I have always felt in the whatever decades I've been working in television, I have always known in the back of my mind, if things really went south on me, I could take in sewing. I could be a seamstress. I could alter people's clothes. People pay so much. I hear about women who pay $25. Oh, it's unbelievable. They have a skirt hand. I'm like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Let me show you. So one of the first things I did was teach my kids how to hem a skirt, how to hem their pants, because you're going to be poor. (laughs) You will not be able to afford $25 to pay somebody else. See, that's what I need to learn. My mother always yells at me. I can't sew a button on my shirt. And she's like, Kendra, you've got to get this down. She should yell at you. You need to learn this. I know. Well, we're almost, we're out of time, but I just want to ask you one more thing. You know, you've covered thousands of stories. You've connected with so many people through Mm -hmm. the last 24 years on the air. Is there one story or one moment that stands out to you as either the best or the most memorable of everything you've covered? There's a story that always stands out when I get a variation of that question because to me the headline it falls under is a mother's love can move mountains. And this is the story of a woman who was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is an incurable form of um, like bone cancer, Mm blood-borne cancer. And when she was diagnosed quite a few years ago, she and her sister looked it up in the library. This was before the internet. And they found that diagnosis to death four years, there is no cure and there doesn't appear to be anybody looking for one because there's no research money. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very hopeful outlook. I thought, we'll never raise enough money to find a cure, but maybe we could raise enough money to fund small research projects out there. So they took a venture capital approach. They created a foundation that raised money. They got a scientific committee together, people who knew what this illness was, and a bunch of experts, including people right there in the Boston area, Dana-Farber. And um, they seeded promising research with the idea that, you know, if this, this outfit's onto something, Big Pharma will come in and take the research the rest of the way. Well, it was the right approach. From no drugs to treat this disease, there are now at least seven drugs in widespread use for patients of multiple myeloma. It is no longer an automatic death sentence. The woman who should have died more than 15 years ago is very much alive. Her name is Kathy Giusti. She's a graduate of Harvard Business School. She's been recognized as one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people. And from changing the outlook for people with myeloma, she's also changed the way cancer research is done because they felt like if you're getting our money, you have to share your data. So they insisted that everyone who was doing myeloma research funded through their organization had to share their their, their research data through a, the myeloma consortium. That's now become the way research is being done across wow. the board in many diseases. Why should everybody be duplicating the same research when if you do it once, you share it with me, I jump on what you're doing, piggyback and take it further. And the result is that people are alive today and having meaningful, healthy lives because of this woman. So that's amazing. And it all started because she she was a mom and she was, you know, trying to get pregnant and have another baby. And a mom's level make things happen that nobody else can do. Ain't that the truth? That's absolutely. (laughs) Well, Deborah, it has been so exciting for me to talk with you. I've been such a fan of yours. I've been watching you on TV my whole life. And you were one of the role models that I sort of looked up to wanting to get into. 
entertainment or radio or TV here in Boston where there wasn't as much as there is, you know, out in L.A. and New York. You were sort of the one glimmer of hope that I had that, you know, you were a female. You were the the head, the star, you know, the anchor of the show. So I think you are a role model to a lot of women. And it's been a pleasure to have you. it's been my pleasure. What a great way to start the day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you to Inside Edition's Deborah Norville for being in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. We talk to celebrities and CEOs, but we're also interested in your neighbors, coworkers, and friends who are quietly making an impact in their communities. Email us if you know someone you'd like to suggest. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Thanks for listening and have a great day, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.